0: All right, good morning to you guys. Okay, good morning to the seven of you who said it back to me. (laughs) The rest of you are on your own today. So, you you like that, Andrew? (laughs) I'm, I'm not always the nicest person, I know that. I make mistakes. I'm not perfect. This isn't a perfect church. We aren't perfect people. And that's actually how we got into the sermon series that we're in right now that we're going through. And it's called Priorities in Life because in life, there's so many times where we don't put our priorities in the right order. And then we end up feeling the pains of it. Uh, Last week, we talked about this just um, just so we can recap a little bit. We talked about this last week and I mentioned that this sermon series comes from watching people live life as though they were conducting a science project and that life was a series of trials and errors. And, 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 and I do believe that in a sense. I do believe that we go through life and we, and we learn from our wrongs, but I do also think that we, can, that we can be taught and we can learn some biblical building blocks that can be the foundation for the lives that we're living. Last week we covered our, our first priority in life, and which one was it? God. Yes, to put God first, to, to love God with all of our hearts, all of our minds, all of our souls. Um and, and we looked at it from the Old Testament where it says it, it was his first, not commandment, don't not the first commandment, but but his first word to the people, the Israelites, as they were leaving the Exodus. When he said, you shall have no other gods before me, we are to have no earthly love. There is nothing we are to cherish. There is nothing that we should put in front of our love and adoration for our creator and our savior. But as we know that and as we hear that, it is so, the world is so quick, Satan is so quick to go after it. So that was what we did last week for our first one. I also told you last week that we were going to have our, uh, our, our top four priorities because those are the four that I feel like are pretty, those are solid. Those don't change, okay? And then this is what, that's what it looks like. It's, it's God, our spouse, our children, our work, and, and, and we're going to go through why they are, why those are the orders as we keep going through this. But this week, as we look at the, the biblical foundations and truths that we see and we're going to be looking at, today we're looking at our second priority, and, and that's our spouse. And I, and I hope that you know that and you get that. But, but we're going to do this in, in, in three weeks. We're going to take three weeks to go through this. And the first today, what we're going to be looking at is we're going to be looking at marriage as an, institution, as an institution, created by God. Then next week, we're going to be looking at the biblical, biblical perspective of what it means for a woman to love and respect her husband. And then the following, well, before I say something, both Andrew and I wanted to preach that one really badly. We actually both want to teach so much on how a woman should love and respect her husband that that we were debating and arguing who was going to preach on it, so we just said, let's just man up and do paper, rock, scissors, and the winner gets it. (laughs) After 57 unbelievable ties, really, really unbelievable ties, We then arm wrestled and Andrew won. (laughs) So this week is the institution of marriage. Next week is wives love. How do you love and and respect your husbands? And then the following week is husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. And and, and and I'm telling you this because, because, and if you're in high school, hear my words. These are things that I wish I would have been taught when I was way younger. But let's go on. So as you hear the, the, these, 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 uh, these next three weeks about what it means to be married, what it means to look like to be a wife, and what, what it means to look like to be a husband, and how we show our love to each other, um, I'm sure there's people out who are sitting there and they're thinking right now, like, man, he knows me. He knows my marriage. He knows my, my past. He knows maybe my divorce. Maybe he knows who I'm dating right now. And I want to assure you, as you're sitting there thinking, is, is, is he talking to me? I want you to be so confident and so assured that you know this. I'm talking to you. <laughs> I'm talking about you, and I'm talking to myself. This is not one of those series where it's like, oh, man, I have it together. It, this is what I think is, and I believe, not I think, is what I think I see biblically that we see as our second priority in life. And those things like I said, I wish I had learned earlier instead of hearing do what makes you happy. You know what makes me happy changes with my moods. I mean I, my happiness changes more often than my favorite food changes. So if that's the truth for us, then 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 what is marriage? How, how do we just let it change all the time and, and we don't and, and and that's part of the reason why this is god's word to us we're going to be looking at how god instituted marriage this is not some man-made thing we didn't just decide this is good for us god decided it was good for us and we're going to get there in a minute but but so again um as you sit there, I hope you hear this, and I hope you think, man, he is talking to me. I do have some stuff I can learn. I do have some areas of repentance. I have some areas where I haven't loved my spouse the way I should. I have some areas in my life where I haven't put my spouse in the right place. And, 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 and again, when we looked at this series and we started to think about it, we looked at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7, and uh, it says, The beginning of wisdom is this, Get wisdom. So as we sit there and we say, oh, I have issues in my marriage, then, then, then f- figure it out from a biblical perspective of what can I do? How do I understand marriage? How can I love my spouse better? If it, and it goes for all of the, the, the weeks that we're doing. It's not just, it's God, it's marriage, it's our kids, it's our kids, it's how we respond to our parents. That's going to we'll be in a few weeks here. Um, but it's all of that. Um, get wisdom know how God is instructing us to live. And with that, let's pray, and we're going to look at um, how God instituted marriage, okay? So let's pray. Uh, Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word to us. We ask right now that you would be the one who speaks to us. May your word speak powerfully to us. And Lord, more importantly, may you teach us something. And may you lead us to a place of repentance because we We don't love like we're called to. So Lord, help us to place our spouse in the priority spot that it should be in, that he or she should be in. So with that, Lord, we give you thanks. In your name we pray, amen. We're gonna be looking at Genesis chapter two, verses 18 to 25 today. And here's what it says. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a a helper for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whenever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of, of the heavens and to the beasts of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed, it up, closed up its pl- place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then he said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Verse 24. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. There's a lot to say here in just the first verse alone. It says, then God, or then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone and I will make him a helper fit for him. I couldn't agree with this verse anymore and it's partly because of who I am and I believe it's the way that we're created, but I absolutely hate being alone. And I, and I want us to know that, that, it if, that if it is good for God, then it is good for us. And I think sometimes we get this picture of God and that when he created um, the, the heavens and the earth and he goes through and we look through Genesis chapter 1, we get an image of God by himself creating and adding structure. But really, that's not what it is. What we really see in the beginning of Genesis, we see that it says the, the, the world was... the empty and void and the hover and the spirit of god hovered above the waters so and god said let there be and so god spoke and what we see in the very first beginning part we see god and we see the spirit of god and then in chapter 1 verse 26 it says then god said let us make man in our image and in our likeness and it's important for us to see that that we are created in the image of God, but more importantly than that, look, notice how he says, in R. God was in communion, he was in relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's the beginning of the Trinity, and, and we call it one. And we will see that he calls us into a relationship with our spouse that we're also called one, where well, the two become what? One flesh. When I was younger and in school, well, even before I got to school, every now and then, I got in trouble. And by every now and then, I mean a lot. It was, it was often that I found myself sitting in a corner and being isolated. I think it's one of the first punishments I kind of remember, that and getting spanked. But before I got spanked, I remember being put in a corner. Then I remember in, el- in, in elementary school, there was times where, where I didn't do something the right way. or I did something to, to where I needed to be isolated. And I remember my teacher would put me in a desk and, like, move me away from other students. That was, and then it only got worse as time went on. I remember finding myself in in-school suspensions. And it would be, if you had an in-school suspension, um, they would you'd be suspended from school but you'd still go to school and you would sit in a room by yourself for eight hours mm-hmm. and th- <laughs> and you would sit there and they would bring you a lunch and it would be a, a horrible lunch and it would be like well, not horrible but it wasn't as good you know as being in the lunchroom and sitting at tables and talking to your friends and think about this when and i've never been to prison thank the lord but when you're in prison and you're in prison and you do something wrong, what do you get? Solitary confinement. And when you're in war and they really want to punish you, what do they punish you by doing? They separate you from everybody. There is something inside of us that, that, that longs for other people. We're, we are not created to be alone, it's not good for us to be alone. Uh, I, every now and then I'll get asked to speak someplace and when I go there, the thing I hate the most, the thing I dread the most is they always say this, oh, we have your own room for you. And even last, I just did a young adult retreat a few months back and I said, can you put, and I knew this guy who was going to be there, can you put him in my room with me because I absolutely hate being alone. I think that's the way God created us. And some of the moms, I know what you're thinking right now, man, I love an afternoon by myself. I love it when it's quiet. I love not having someone to talk to. That's different. I'm talking about living life alone. But see, then it says, when, when it says that it's not good, when God says it's not good for man to be alone, it then says, I will make a servant. No, doesn't say that. It says, I will make him a slave. No. It says, I will make him a helper. I think sometimes we, we, we mistranslate in a way in our minds the, the, what the, the importance of the woman was and is. Like, like, because she wasn't created first, she wasn't equal, and that's just not true. And I want to point out something about God and being in the garden and, and, and think about this. Adam is, is walking in the garden of Eden, and who does he walk with? Who? Not yet, before that. God. God, Adam is walking in the garden with, with, with God. He has jobs, or he has a responsibility. He's naming animals. He's doing different stuff. And then what does God say about him? That it's not good for him to be alone. Think about that. Adam is walking in the presence of God, but yet for some reason God says it's not good for you to be alone. And he wasn't even alone. So what does God give him? He gives him Eve. He gives him Eve. Eve. Think about that. It's not a helper as in you're the person who's going to do my dishes. It's a helper in the sense of I'm going to go through life with you. When you struggle, I help you. When I struggle, you help me. Right? There's needs that, that, that we help each other with. This is completely how it is with Jenny and I. There are times that one of us let's just say Jenny will get really upset with something and she, and she just needs me to talk her down, to calm her down and show her another perspective because that's what I do. And then there's times when she does that same thing for me. And then there's times when I get sick and Jenny cares for me and there's times when Jenny gets sick and I care for her and it's one of those things where we need each other in life. There's, there's times when, when, when Jenny needs to pick-me-up and I give her a hug or I look at her and I tell her the words, everything's going to be okay because she needs it. And there's times when I need to pick-me-up and when I need it, I just look at her bottom. <laughs> Each of us have different ways that someone can bring and lift us up. Okay, I was joking. I wanted to make sure you were paying attention. <laughs> but... We're going to go to the next slide. But here's what happens when, 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 when we're in this. We, we look at this and we look at our priorities and we start to see that sometimes they're not in the right place and we, and, we, and we forget about how we're supposed to be there for each other. And we're looking at this today because of our priorities. We don't place our, our spouse second. Second. We did it one time. Let's, let's be completely honest. There was a time when you first started dating and you thought that that person was the cat's meow. You know, last night I was, as, as I was looking this over, I realized I don't even know what that means. I just know it's an expression. But, but we think that. We think that this person is so great, we think that they're so funny, we think they're so special, and we're dating, oh, we think they're so cute, they're the best looking person in the whole world, and I want to text them for hours and call them for hours. And I remember, we used to talk on the phone for hours, right, yeah, now I lay in bed and I'd be like, hey, I love you, Good night." you know? Am I wrong? And, 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 and But there was a time when you were so excited just to hold the hand of the person, that your hand got a little sweaty and, and 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 you were so stoked and so excited, even to get that first kiss. You were so excited that when you knew you were going to see that person, you wanted to shower and put deodorant on and brush your teeth and wear nice clothes. Am I wrong? We laugh, but but think about it. And 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 now we're so busy with with uh with with. Houses we can't afford and cars that break down that, that, that will rust away and leave us over time. Sports that don't love us back and don't even notice when you don't watch the game or when you don't go because they keep going on even with you if you're there or not there. Jobs that, that someday will re, you'll be replaced by. And then we place our spouse in a position or a place. That same spouse that one time You thought that person was just a step below God, the place where we're supposed to put them. Martin Luther says this, the first love is drunken. When the intoxication wears off, then the real marriage love happens. Is that right? You know, it's funny because when you're young, you think, oh, no, I'm going to love like this forever. And I think we do, in a sense, but parts of it fade or, or we, we, it becomes complacent or we, we take, it for advantage, uh, uh, take it for advantage. We don't care as much. It's not that we don't care. We just don't even notice it's happening. So then I say to you guys, what happened? What happened? What happened to that young love, that, that, that excitement? Let me tell you what happens. Look at verse 24. Therefore, a, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. See, let me tell you what happened. God spoke, and because God spoke, Satan attacked it. Every time God speaks something into his existence, Satan attacks it. We see it with, with Adam and Eve in the garden. And allow me to show you something right now, okay? Okay. Um, I'm going to do something I think I've done here before, but let me tell you where I do do it every time I do this. Every time I go to a wedding and I officiate a wedding, I do the same thing every single time at every single wedding I officiate. It's, it's, it's one of the things that has to be in there, okay? And, and I want you to play along with me, okay? Look around and, and, and answer the next two questions for me, okay? If you are married, oh, hold on, before I do this, if you are in high school, junior high, fifth grade, third grade, open your eyes and, and, and watch the audience, okay? Watch, okay? Here you go. If you are married or have ever been married, raise your hand. Okay, look, look around. Okay, let's do it again, put your hands down. Raise your hand if marriage is easy. Maya, what do you see? Nobody's raising their hands. Because, see, when the two become one flesh, Satan must attack it. It can't be easy. Because God spoke it, and because he spoke it, you should know it's going to be under attack. Can you go back one slide? One more. Look at it. There was a day when you dated that that person who was in number seven was definitely... at number two, and maybe even you put it number one. Every time I do this example, truth rings out, reality speaks, and every, every now and then I'll get this one couple who will raise their hand or, or one of the two will raise their hand. I should put it that way. I've never had both of them raise their hand, but usually it's like a guy will raise his hand, and I'll just be looking at her, and she'll be like, nope. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. At one wedding, that same guy, he followed me around for an hour telling me how it was easy. And I was like, dude, go ask your wife if it's easy. It might be easy for you because she's carrying the load. But marriage isn't easy and it can't be. Once you get married, and, and, and this is the truth, once you get married, real life starts. Bills come at you monthly, weekly, and day, daily. Daily. Kids come into the picture, and lack of sleep happens. Hobbies try to become priorities. Cars and houses become expensive. And all these things start to fight for your time and your attention. Tell me if I'm wrong. And all these things start to challenge your number two priority in life. The next thing you know, you, haven't, you don't have time for a date. You have time to go outside and wash your truck. You have time to go fishing. You have time to go to a soccer game. You have time to read your kids' books. All those things aren't wrong. But if you're going to be honest, and I'm going to be honest, all those things fight and pull away from our number two. I call those things silent marriage stressors or silent marriage killers. The world is trying to divide that which he brought together and made one into two. We also have uh, marriage killers in our, in our culture, too. I mean, how often do we hear that, that hey, having sex outside of marriage is okay. Go do it. It's, it's all great. That's an attack on what God instituted in marriage where the two become one flesh. Let me give you a couple more uh, the attacks on on marriage I'll, I'll give you two of them okay and, and you ready for this the first one everyone will agree with the second one i'll probably get some backlash for but i'm gonna say it anyways the first one is i call it toxic masculinity Do you know what that is that's where you're just the man where your word is law where you walk around with your bush light in one hand and 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 your man code in the other and in that, you think of me first, and I have to be, be in other people's eyes, seen as the stud. We've seen it. I, I'm going to hit that one in two weeks, so I won't go into it too much. And on the other end of the spectrum, all the way on the other end, and, 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 and we have this other end because of this, because of, of how men have abused their roles and families and, and, uh, and power and everything else, we, we, we see this, this pendulum swing all the way to the other side, and we see this thing called feminism. Not, not feminism in the sense of like, hey, I'm proud to be a woman, this is who God, God made me, that's great. I'm talking about feminism where I don't need a husband, where I don't need a man, where I can do everything. And you want to know what? That's not true. It is not good for man to be alone. It's not. And then when it's not good for man to be alone, it's not good for a woman to be alone. The two become one flesh. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says this, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Don't you get it? Don't you see what marriage is supposed to be? Marriage is not about being alone or cohabitating together. It is about the coming together of two people through the work of God. When I think of a marriage, there's, there's an imagery. I should have had it up on the board as I spoke. But I think of, 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 of a man and a woman and, I, and I, I picture them like ballroom dancing. You know, when you watch them on TV and they're spinning and they hold a hand and, and they come back and they, they dip and they do all that stuff? That's what I think marriage looks like. It's one step this direction and one step this, and, and it's, it's being in sync with each other. And the problem with today is this we don't know how to dance, we forget how to love. See, because marriage right now is, and this is what I'm talking about, uh, masculinity and feminism, and what it is, is it's, it's, it's individualism, which is attacking marriage. Individualism is attacking marriages, and that's hard because the two are called to be one. Right? Verse 24 says, again, I'm going to read it to you, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. Have we stopped holding fast? I, I want you to think of what it looks like to hold fast to something. So an image for you is this. Think of, of those dumb news reporters who go to Florida when hurricanes are coming, right? And what do they do? The, the winds are coming, the waves are ripping, and they're, they're hugging and they're holding on to a pole as they give their, their, their report and they want to seem like, you know, like, whoa, look at me. But they hold fast to that pole, knowing that it has the ability to tear, like the wind and the circumstances around them have the ability to tear us apart. We need to fight for our number two priority. We are to resist all the things that get in the way of our best gifts that we get from God. And our spouse is our best gift we get from God outside, outside of salvation, outside of himself. There's a movie uh, called Crazy Stupid Love. Um, I don't recommend seeing it. Yes, I do. (laughs) I really do. But anyways, in this movie, there's these two actors, and and they grew up as high school sweethearts, and then one day, one of them wants a divorce. And and the whole reason for it, when you watch the movie and you come back to it, they, they realized, and they even say this throughout the movie, where did we go wrong? When did we stop fighting for each other? And at the end of the movie, that's what he says. And he, he apologizes to her and says, "I stopped caring. I stopped fighting for you." I want to talk to you right now. Some of us, most of us, we've been holding. We we haven't been holding fast to our vows. Can we take a moment to go to the cross to seek the forgiveness of Jesus? That today might be a day when we repent for not holding fast, for not putting that person in the position where they're supposed to be. Jenny, I wasn't going to do this, but if I'm going to ask other people to do it, uh, I have not always put you number two in my life. You're a kind and gracious person who has at times allowed me to place you at number three, number four, and number seven. And for that, I'm sorry. And that's a true confession of sin. You know, we, we just forget sometimes. And we don't do it on purpose, but it happens. Things slide into to positions where they're not supposed to be there. And as we go through this, this life, priorities in life, God comes first, and our spouse comes second. And what I'm going to encourage you guys to do is to repent of, of just not doing that. That's what Jesus died for. He died to forgive us of our sins and, and not repent, or from not repenting from that sooner. So I, I challenge you guys, in the first week of, of, of looking at marriage as an institution that God created for us to examine how we're living it, Realize that we've been doing parts of it wrong and realize that we need forgiveness from our, sa- our Savior, Jesus Christ. and that, let's pray. Dear Lord, if I had to be honest, and I do, I didn't like today's message. Because who can do it? So Lord, forgive me of the times when I'm not a good spouse. Forgive me of the times when I don't place my spouse in, in the position of my second most important priority in my life. Lord, lead each one of us to, to think through this and, and to come to you and seek repentance and, and just get back to dating and loving and being romantic and taking time with our spouses, Lord. Lay it upon our hearts and our minds and our souls. Be kicking us in the butt, Lord, when when, when we're forgetting about it. Remind us of that first love that you gifted us with when you made the two one flesh. In your name we pray, amen.